Hey, what's up, Surf Splendor listeners? David Scales here, your host. Welcome back to the show. Thanks for all the f- great feedback last week after our return to the lorn- long-form interview. Stumbling over my words 15 seconds into the show. Um, yeah, thanks for the feedback. Good stuff. Um, we've got surf news. How nuts was Tahiti? Jeez, that's all that we hope for. Three straight days of competition and an over kind of delivering of swell. We had low expectations, and then it turned into be pretty flawless. So um, great event. Who doesn't love seeing Kelly Slater return to form? I mean, that was unbelievable. We get into it in the show, of course. <sighs> hope you got to watch that. Surfsplendorpodcast.com is the website. At Surfsplendor is the Instagram Facebook.com forward slash surf splendor is the Facebook page. Uh, I think that's it. Chime in there, share it with friends, rate and review on iTunes, blah, blah, blah. You know the drill. All right. Without further ado, enjoy today's show with Scott Bass, and I'll be back at the end to sign us off. the camera live from the Serving Heritage and Culture Center. Bringing you a podcast. Podcast. Fans. Is this a video? This is yeah, this is fan uh, engagement. Was, this uh, is what we do now, man. Can you start over? I thought it was a still image. Hey. Action. Okay, so right now. Okay. We're um we're rolling. I am now turning on the music, which I like to get the show started. We're recording, dude. Action. I know. I know we are. <laughs> Uh, welcome everybody down the line, Surf Talk Radio. Yeah, guy, that's what you want. You want the yeah, guy moment? You got it. Yeah, no friggin' guy. No guy. No guy. Um, it is Tuesday. It is August. No, it's Wednesday, August twenty fourth. It's usually Tuesday. It's Wednesday, August twenty fourth. And welcome everybody down the line, Surf Talk. David Lee Scales, and I'm Scott Bass, and we're here because this is Down the Line Surf Talk, and we're going to talk about surfing and other things. Let's talk about going down the line. Down the line. Down the line, down the line, down the line. Doing it on a Wednesday instead of a Tuesday because wanted to recap the Billabong Tahiti Pro, which we'll get into. We don't need to launch into that, but I will say my life was radically improved yesterday (laughs) by what took place. So... um, I think everybody's was. It was a magical day. So thrilled to be here to discuss it with you, Scott. And by here, I mean at the Surfing Heritage and Culture Center. Surfingheritage.org. Yes. New exhibition here at Shack. It had been handed this piece of paper. I want to tell everyone about it. Well, I walked in and they're doing construction. There's ladders everywhere. There's a lot of things going on in the main gallery. So I was curious, Scott, what is happening? Well, this was just handed to me. It's called From Plastic to Fantastic. Ooh. The opening party is this Saturday, August 27th, here in San Clemente at the Surfing Heritage and Culture Center. And it looks like this exhibition, From Plastic to Fantastic, will illustrate how plastic bottles and other materials are being recycled and transformed into sustainable products by some of today's leading surf industry brands. And on display will be examples of innovative, environmentally friendly products made from recycled materials that would otherwise be stacking up in our landfills. Some of these participants, these are the leading surf industry brands. A-Frame Photo, Betty Belts, Bloom, EcoFins, Enjoy Handplanes, Firewire, Hurley, Indosol Footwear, 
Mafia Bags, Marco Foam, Rodney, Rodrigo, McCobry, Outer Known, Patagonia, David Pu'u, Quicksilver, Recork Surf Traction, Slater Designs, Sugar Yoga Mats, Sustainable Surf, Visla, and many, many more. Wow. So come out and check this out. So each of those brands, maybe they're displaying some part of their product line that they recycle out of plastic bottles to... Or they use plastic bottles to make? Does well, we don't like know. You know, we're going to have to go to this I think exhibit here at yeah. Shack and find out what it's all about. But okay. it sounds like, yeah, there's going to be a lot of stuff on display that you'll be able to check out. And the surf industry embracing the concept of, um, of moving our mindset and our consciousness into a place of reusability and recycling and being earth friendly i agree it's a great idea i notice you have a single use bottle there scott are you planning to recycle that today <laughs> this is not mine this is from the surfing heritage and culture center <laughs> so maybe they actually, wow yeah call, call, call them out. out hey it is what it is dude yeah right um so i got a couple of emails and comments that i'd like to burn through real quickly if you don't mind scott bass please this comment was left on uh, surfsplendorpodcast.com in uh, regard... Do you mean one of the top seven podcasts? Ooh, it is, in fact. <laughs> I would argue the top of the top. Um, I want to argue a lot about a lot of that stuff. <laughs> all right, cool. So this was left on um, our last show's page. There's a comment section for every episode, and sometimes people chime in. You mean down the line surf talk? No, on oh. surfsplendorpodcast.com, oh. actually. But here's the deal, Scott. Yeah. This conversation is just you and I on the mics, but I always like to tell listeners, no, it isn't. It's actually a much broader conversation. You can't chime in on the mic, but there's lots of places for you to chime in. The comment section, Instagram, Facebook. You know what? If I may interrupt. Yeah, please. It'd be cool. I'm used to it. Go for it. (laughs) I know. I apologize. I'm horrible that way. I come up with these ideas. I've got this coffee-fueled brain, and I just if I feel like if I don't spit them out. Welcome to adulthood. There's the process. Of, no, I, no. Oh, okay. No, 15 years old. Um, it'd be cool if some of our listeners someday somehow they could we could get one to sit in with us on some sort of like totally um, contest or whatever. So just yeah. chew on that. So yeah. Go ahead. No, that's, I think that's, that's a great idea actually. Um, so the comment was left by Scotty from NorCal. He says, "Hey guys, first off, love the show." Uh, I was surprised that neither of you mentioned Raymana as your kook of the week for towing the 15-year-old girl from Malibu into waves at Chopes when the lineup was packed with surfers paddling for waves. It doesn't take much research to see that this girl is the child of a wealthy Malibu family and most likely pay for Ramana, paid Ramana for this service. To say that this reeks of privileged entitlement that comes with money is only the start. I'm curious how the others in the lineup felt about this. I'm also curious how both of you feel about this. Personally, it made me want to puke. Aloha from NorCal. Scotty. Wow, that's an interesting email. I, first of all, this is the first I've heard of this. I, I know nothing of this. Yeah. Um, and there's one huge assumption in there, and that's that these people paid for their daughter to do that. Sure. We do not know that. Well, if Raymana's tone in a 15-year-old girl... And everybody else in the lineup is paddling, scrapping for waves. You might, you definitely have to wonder who is that fifteen-year-old girl? Why does she have access to Ramana, who is, you know, the ambassador of Tahiti? I, I don't know. I, and so the assumption is there. Yes, right. I'm just saying. Like, so we have to play both sides of the of the equation. Let's play. Let's it. first say that she didn't she didn't pay. Right. That 
Raymond is a great guy and a great host, and he just does that kind of thing. He's like, you know what? I'll take you. Mm -hmm. Maybe they had a cup of coffee or tea or whatever, a juice. And she's like, I'd love to be able to do that. There's no way I'll ever catch a wave with those 30 guys sitting on the peak. He's like, you know what? No problem. I'll take you and I'll paddle you. I'll tow you into this wave. Let's assume that Mm -hmm. first. And I would suggest to you how many times I would ask you how many times did she get towed in? Once or twice? Don't know. Three times? Yeah. I'm good with that. Mm. All right. You know what? Three times, let this 15-year-old girl, she's not going to catch a wave otherwise. Raymond is like, kind of like the host mm-hmm. with the most. And I'm sort of okay with that. Now, if I was in the water, I'd probably be a little grumbly or whatever. But in the big picture of life, that's neat that this girl got to experience that. Maybe the goodwill that was portrayed from Raymond will continue on in this girl's life and she'll have the same spirit of aloha that we are assuming took place. Your thoughts on the first the, the um, first equation? I actually agree with you. And I don't know that even in the second equation, if he got paid for it, that that really makes any difference to me. Like, I don't know that that changes my opinion. I think that, look, Raymana is the ambassador for the area. And he's earned that title. And he's done so much good for that area that he's entitled to kind of decide what takes place at this point. Assuming that we're all like, I I still trust that he is making the right decisions. I don't know him personally, but I trust that he is doing what's best for the surf spot, what's best for the region, what's best for um, sustainability there. And, and if he decided that whether it's over the cup of coffee, like you said, or decided because he's able to profit off of it and then share some of that with the local community, which I assume that he does because everybody loves him, then that's up to him. And who am I to say anything different? Yeah, there's a couple, so there's a couple of assumptions there, right? That yeah. he, if he did make some profit, that he's then spreading that wealth. Um, I've got some friends over there that I, I hope will chime in anonymously about this and let me know what their thoughts are. But I will tell you that the politics in Tahiti are much deeper than we realize um, as far as the guys that are at Chopu versus the guys that are down the reef away versus the guys that are down, you know, two miles at another reef pass. They each have their own little zones and and they commingle. But there's politics and there's stuff that goes down just like anywhere in the world, you know, like so I'm as fascinated by what down the reef pass they might think about pay for play at clinton reef i mean chopu (laughs) as um as you know it's just fascinating as opposed to say scotty and norcal and what his thoughts are from coming sort of from i guess an american cultural viewpoint on it i mean Um, don't you think look at, at 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 steamer lane if flea gets a thousand bucks to tow somebody into a wave. I think that's, I mean, look, I agree with Scotty. I'm assuming that Scotty's basically saying, look, it opens a can of worms at this point, but I would suggest the can of worms is already open. And I would suggest that we it need, sucks. but we also need an authority figure to dictate when the can gets opened and how. And I think Raymana is that guy and good for him. And I'm okay with it because the, the the place has a worldwide demand on it. You need some sort of an authority figure, you know? And you're right. There are going to be politics. Politics evolve naturally through human social systems. They just always do. And so this is kind of a authentic growth of that, and it seems to be structured appropriately, you know? But the caveat, right, for both of us is that we don't really know the circumstances, and we don't know how – like. 
if she was towed in over and over and over again right. at every the, set of the day, yeah, best wave of the day, yeah, and and guys in the lineup weren't you know were grumbling and it was inconsistent. You know, it's kind of like use some discretion. You know, if it's if three waves is plenty, it's inconsistent. Let the rest of the crew get their waves. Now, we just don't know what happened. Like, there's way more. There's so much more context that needs to be revealed for you or I to have a really valid opinion about it. But if there is such a thing as a valid opinion. But don't we know? I mean, not know, but don't we assume that um, Ray Mana is going to exercise the best judgment? He's not I do. Gonna, I do. He's not going to tow her into every set of the no, day on the no, best way. If anything, he's probably going the other way. Yeah, and because he'll get ousted out of his role as the benevolent dictator. Right. Right. Could happen. So uh, yeah. unless Scotty's trying to oust him right now. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It. You know. It's. It's. You know. It's. It, it's just sort of sad, you know, on many levels that that you know we have to sort of go down this road. I guess I don't know. Yeah, I saw that drop, that tear drop from your eye <laughs> as I was reading the story. A single tear. <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, I guess at the end of the day, I I am in no place to judge whether Raymond is right or wrong. Yeah, is really what it comes down to. Well, I think you are because we have a podcast. Oh yeah, and since I'm behind a microphone, that. that's right. It gives me all the authority in the world. We are allowed to do whatever we want. Speaking of being behind microphones, do you have another thing you want to read? No. Sure. Yes. Because I want to get to this um, Ben Mondi. Is it Mondi or Mundi? Ben Mundi. Yeah, ben he's Mundy. like a journalist. Yeah. He used to be the editor of Tracks, I think. Okay. So Ben put out the top seven podcasts. I'm sure you saw this. I did. It, it's popped up all over the place. And um, I think um, you are in there. Surf Splendor, he wrote, he wrote, hosted by David Scales. Surf Splendor has racked up an impressive 132 episodes in quick time. I'm impressed. <laughs> <laughs> now, down the line, Surf Talk podcast was not mentioned. I've never heard of that. What is that? in this in this in this list of the top seven podcasts? Right? Do you know how many episodes there are of Down the Line? So, if 100, if he's impressed by 132 yeah. episodes. How would he feel about 5,200 episodes? No way. 10 years worth of Not podcast. Not 5,200. I was going to guess 500. 500? 5,200? I've been doing it once a week for 10 years. Not not every week. Not consistently. I mean, literally, yeah. is 5,200 the right well, number or are you just no, estimating? No, no, it's probably between 4,000 and 5,200. Crazy, dude. Okay, so... My point is, is that we did it every week. I had to on the yeah, radio and yeah, terrestrial yeah. radio, and those our podcasts are available. So I'm just thinking, look, 150 episodes of Surf Splendor, which, by the way, I'm sure that outshines any of these other podcasts. Yeah, thanks. In, in numbers. Yeah. That's impressive, mostly because, quite frankly, to do this over and over and over and over is applauding – um, mission that I wouldn't wish upon my greatest enemy except you. <laughs> so, and me, right? Like, we both know how difficult it is to do it every week. It's one thing to go, yeah, I put out a podcast. I'll have another one in six months. Right. And guess what? Which you're, people do all the time. But you're off the face of the earth. Like, nobody's really right. tuning in. Right. You have to put out a quality product every couple of weeks, or in your case, every week, to do it right, to get traction. And so, he goes on to list these other podcast he mentioned aki's podcast let me let me interject real quickly before you get into the others interject is that code for interrupt 
No, it's actually quite different because I waited till you were done talking. Oh, thank you. Um, <laughs> so I, I feel a need to reiterate to our listenership kind of who we are and what we're doing. So Scott's been doing down the line radio forever, obviously, as he just stated. He's basically a dinosaur. He's like an old man. <laughs> so thanks, bro. but but really pioneered podcasting for the surf world. Like you seamlessly, you had a radio show seamlessly transition into podcasting when that became a platform. Um. I have been listening to podcasts since those days and fell in love with the medium and felt like there needed to be more surf content. And I knew that your show had gone through a couple of hosts and was you were losing momentum in terms of just interest and being able to produce it by yourself. So I reached out when I started doing Surf Splendor because I was doing Surf Splendor, um, just individual profile pieces with surfboard shapers, photographers, filmmakers, publishers, and I wanted to do Surf News every other week. And I knew that's what you were doing. So I reached out to Scott and said, hey, man, I know you're doing down the line. I could potentially co-host and we could just simulcast. Like, we'll both record it. You put it out on your feed. I'll put it out on my feed. And let's see where it goes. See if we even have uh, chemistry. So we started doing that. And it kind of took off. And we've continued to simulcast it. I do it under Surf Splendor's feed. Scott continues to do it under the down the line feed. And that was three plus years ago, I suppose. I don't even know actually what the right number is. A listener probably could chime in on that, but it's gone well. And we've never di- like sat down and re-discussed whether or not we should make it just on w- available on one feed or if we need to rebrand it entirely. We've just continually, you put it out on down the line, I put it out on Surf Splendor. And then um, additionally, we do separate episodes without one another as well. But that's how this whole thing evolved. So when he actually gives me props and says, you know, 132 episodes, I would argue 70 of those episodes are co-hosted by you. So it's very much our dual endeavor. And and so when Ben put this out, quite frankly, I was a little bit hurt. My ego was a little bit taken aback. I was like, what about down the line, for God's sakes? I've yeah. been doing it for a long time. Maybe it's just not good enough for Ben to acknowledge. And that's fine, too. He's welcome to his opinion. Sure. And I've since sort of gotten over it. And and for full transparency, I sent Ben a, te- a tweet saying, dude, what about this? Like, do you not like it? Like that, And he said, oh, my God, I didn't even see this. Like, I just thought that it was through Dave's website yeah. and, and your podcast, which is interesting because it sort of speaks to the power that you have in that newcomers are finding it through you not through me quite frankly if you google down the line radio it says my site's been hacked oh really now of course you and i know that you you can get my feed through boardroomshow.com yeah but anyway that's all nitpicking um what i really wanted to get at was how can you mention aki's podcast as the top seven podcast how many has he done one or thank two, you or two two yeah let's say he's done ten yeah you can't include that as a top podcast. Yeah, exactly. Can you? With like a straight face? You've right. done one. So here's my thing to you about Aki's podcast. Aki, I know for a fact, likes to wager. He's a big fan of the tabs, which is off-track betting in Australia, among other things. What's the over-under on how many podcasts Aki's actually going to finish and produce? Eight. And then you'll never see another one. <laughs> totally. <laughs> I would agree with that. I have here 10 yeah. as the over-under. Yeah, so I, would the bet, under. I would bet the under <laughs> yeah. on 10 yeah. that Aki's not going to pull this off. Totally. Because he doesn't realize about 
about four, he's going to lose steam and go, ah, oh, my, yeah, I don't know. Who should I do? Hey, fuck that. He's out. He run out of things to talk about. He did. A, it was a 17 minute episode. I think the first episode and he had Joel Parkinson, but here's the real deal. I don't know this for a fact, but it seems like it's funded by Billabong. They had ad space on WSL's website during this Billabong Tahiti pro. So I think Billabong said, Hey, this is an emerging media. It's growing faster than any other media that we've seen in a long time. Uh, how do we get involved in it? Oh, let's give Aki a podcast. And I would argue they probably contracted him to do more than 10 episodes. They probably said, let's do a year, one episode a week. So Aki's obligated to do those things. But I don't know that for sure. And and I will assume a lot here and go like this. They're going, shit, Aki's on our payroll. He's our ambassador. We're, we're tied to him for life because he is who he is. He's, he's a legend. Legacy, no doubt about yeah. it. Um. Why don't you talk to Aki about doing a podcast? Because he's been kicked off the WSL broadcast. He probably has a voice. It's something that he could do. This seems like a good marriage. And then we can sort of like look at the CFO and go, look, we've given him a job. Mm -hmm. You know, like we're paying him, but he's at least doing something. Mm -hmm. So you're saying he may, you're assuming that he's been. He's been contracted to do 10 episodes. I do. I don't think Aki's like a huge podcast fan who thought, hey, I'm going to do this on my I own. I totally agree with yeah. that. No, no. That's exactly how I saw it. Yeah. Absolutely. So so you say 10 or no, you're taking yeah. the under and 10. Yeah. And I would like to hear what the listeners think. By the way, did you listen to the podcast? I, I meant to on my drive down here and I didn't. I and forgot. do you think at the end of the podcast, they're like, tune in next week for what he's going to. So I see it like this. I see Aki going, I've got 10 good friends on tour that I can do. So his next one will be like Mick Fanning. No, it's got to be all Billabong guys. It does? I would think so. Oh, well, I mean, I, really I don't know, but I do think The under so. is three. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and some of those are going to be in French or something, you know? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Or no, they're going to be in Portuguese because Italo's Portuguese. He'll be interviewing Groms. So I would like to hear from... Um, the one Grom that we think is awesome. What's that Grom name? Callanan. Ryan. No, Ryan no, no, no. The kid, the kid from Western Oz. Isn't he a Billabong kid? Oh, Jack. Yeah. Rob Robinson. Yeah. Yeah. Robbo, my yeah, pot. Yeah. Here's Aki and Robbo. Yeah, that'd be a good show for sure. I don't know if it'd be good. But. Well, so, I, I mean, honestly, I think the whole purpose for Ben writing this article was uh, Aki's thing has got, Aki's podcast has got more press in the one week that it was out than yours and I's ever have over the course of 10 years, yours and mine. Um, so it kind of just launched a conversation. Look, he's writing for a news outlet. They need stories. Uh, to this me, he, he mailed this in. For uh, sure he mailed it in. Know, I don't think just he listens like, to my show. I don't. He just he went just, on and he, searched he, iTunes, he searched podcasts, seven. found seven of them. Like, these are the seven. Yeah. I don't think he's a big fan of the show or anything. No, I don't either. And, and, I don't, and I'm not, um, you know, sort of talking down at him for mailing it in. That's sort of what the internet is. Here's seven. Here's a list. Well, and by the way, it was published on Grind TV, which notoriously just does these lists. Yeah, it was with just no a substance. list thing, right? Yeah. So the other one that I want to mention is Dave Prodan's podcast. Yeah. Right, which I haven't listened to, but it wouldn't surprise me if it's great because yeah. Dave is a great, he was a great guest and we're both big fans of him coming on here. And, and he seemed to be... Um, Quite frankly, as intelligent as you, and more intelligent than I. Well, thank you. And, Jeez. Um, and it would be one that I think would be really good. Yeah. But again, I say to you, how many has Dave done? He's done three, I think. Okay, so he's done three. Yeah. What's the over uh, under on Dave producing podcasts? Twenty. If I give you twenty, are you going to go over or under? And this is in within the course of a year. Right. Um, yeah, I think twenty is a fair number. I might take the under nineteen. You take the under slightly. 
This time next year, he will have produced 19 podcasts. Yeah, I think Dave has the drive to do a hundred, but I just, I know from having done it myself that it's you just, lose momentum. You lose momentum. Yeah. I agree with you. Yeah. I think at a certain point, he's going to be like, oh, you know what? I did it and I'm not making any money off of it. Yeah. And- you don't make money. It. I mean, if you do it right, if you do like pre-production, post-production, driving to... Vi- to full-time job. It, dude, I was spending early on in the early days, I was clocking like 30 hours per episode. Yeah. Crazy. It's a full-time job. Yeah. And, and then driving around and spending money and it's just like, it's hard to justify that after 20. No, it really and, is. And I look at it. And then listenership not growing. You see the numbers stay the same week after week after week. After six months, you're like, why am I doing this? What yeah. am I doing? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, Which is what you and I are doing right now. We're looking at each other going, why in the hell are we doing this again? No, Remember that box of Bad Boy Club gear we got last <laughs> oh my time? God, my that son, made it all worthwhile. By the way, I, t- I tweeted some of that out. I, I Instagrammed saw. some of that out. My son's wearing it religiously. And thanks again. I hope those guys aren't too butthurt that I was like, I'm not wearing that. But it's just not in my wheelhouse. No, it's rad. Demographic. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, Dave, the over, if the over-under is 20... Um, I would take the under, and I would be surprised if it's 15 because yeah. he's got a workload at the WSL that's probably brutal. Yeah, and you wonder um, if those things become a conflict of interest at some point. You know, I mean, I've, yeah, I know Dave's going to be best when he's removed from that, and he yeah. can like speak about it, you know, without the hat on. Well, I've intentionally not mentioned my employers on this show because right. I would hate to say something that people found offensive. And if I'm too closely associated with one brand, then that brand gets thrown into the kettle, you know? Right. And so right. it's like I try to keep a certain level of separation. And there's certainly times when I have to walk a tightrope about things because there are clients that I'm dealing with that we're talking about. Yeah. But by the way, I think Dave's done a great job with his. I love the title or the. I do too. It's called Kill the Messenger. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah, and, and he's the artwork on it looks cool. Yeah, cool branding. I only wish him. The, I wish all these guys the best. Yeah, of course, I, there's, the pie is limitless. There's well, not just one place to listen. Dude, the tide raises all boats, right? Is have that you, like the more podcast listeners there are, the better for you and I, and I'm happy. Bring have them. you listened to the other ones, like the the silly? What's the silly one or something? Isn't there Surf one? Simply? Yeah, Surf Simply. Yeah, yeah I, that's a UK based one, or no? Uh, the guys I think might be from the UK, but it's in Costa Rica or oh, in okay. Nosara, and I've listened to it because listeners of our show have tweeted me and they're like, "Hey, these guys mentioned you on their show, so I'll listen." And uh, it's good; they do a good job. I need to listen to that. Yeah, and I'd like to listen to Dave's. I need to. Um, dial it in on my drives so anyway the podcast and um so ben you know it'd be cool to get ben on here somehow here's the funniest thing about that list by the way i don't know if you noticed what the final offering was number seven out of seven what was it ben's own podcast oh really (laughs) so ben has a podcast so it's like ben is getting into the podcast world and was like how do i promote this to people without it seeming he's mentioned selflessly promoted so he down the line has 4,000 <laughs> podcasts and he couldn't mention it. Well, you just lost 1,200 podcasts in the last 10 minutes. We've I was just being about conservative. Oh, I'm just okay. being conservative. Let's say there's 4,000. Yeah. I listened to one the other day. I've got one on my phone right now that's an insane one with, um, with Greg Knoll, where Greg's just going off and I just let him go. I just like, I remember just going one of your old shows. Yeah. One of oh, my old really? shows with Greg Knoll. Yeah. Really? Yeah. It's really good. Fascinating. Only because Greg's really good. Well, tell us a story about can I Brian Kalana urinating in his mouth when he no, got in the car? No, <laughs> or no, it was Rusty Kalana. One of the Kalanas just like they're like 
six and eight years old and they're just screwing around with Uncle Greg and I think it was Rusty and he's just like hey. brutal, dude. Well, let me give you uh, unsolicited advice. Yes, the reason why Ben hadn't found down the line is because. You could do a better job of branding and keeping everything in one channel. Like you said to me, you're like, oh, you and I know that these are all available on boardroomshow.com. Well, then why is it called down the line? And why is there down the line radio.com? Right. So people have to go multiple places to I find. Agree. And even when they go to the boardroomshow.com, it's not I don't know, I know that it's super obvious to where they can find it. And by the way, I did pull up one of your um, episodes on my iTunes and it showed up with no artwork. It's just the default iTunes backdrop. Right. It's like you need to be attaching artwork to each audio file that goes The problem with that is that after 10 years, what happens is people that know this is that there's an XML file or an RSS file that iTunes requests that you pull in. Like all podcasts request this file. iTunes has their own. I'm sure Surf Stitch, is it? Or Stitcher. Stitcher. Stitcher has their own. (laughs) So in the process of 10 years of doing a podcast i've had to change that file probably four times because i changed servers which is just the nature of the beast and so in doing that there's older rss feeds that haven't been updated and there's just a bunch of loose ends out there basically this is probably boring the shit out of people i don't think it is i i think you're right those things have happened but if you put the amount through it and put it it, but if you put the amount of kind of branding and intention that Dave's putting into his brand new project, yeah. it would be that much more visible to everybody. And right. Ben would have found it. That's yeah. all I'm saying. Yeah. Okay. So Ben, good luck. I'm going to listen to your podcast and um, it probably won't make my list when I put one out. No, <laughs> I only wish the best to people and their passion. But here, here's what I like about all of this. Yeah. Um, people who are into podcasting, and surfing have already found us. But there's a tremendous amount of people who are super into surfing but haven't really got into podcasting yet. Aki doing something like this and really pub- Billabong pushing it and publicizing it will generate brand new podcast listeners. Sure. And those listeners will want quality content on a weekly basis and they will roll over into us. That's what I think. I think you're right. Aki, if you need guests, have us on. We would love to come on and chat. Ak. <laughs> have you had Aki on your show? Um, I don't know. I may have. I can't recall. Well, one one thing that you could do right now is rebroadcast that episode that you're just talking about with Greg Knoll. Yeah. The fact that you talked about it, people are interested. They don't want to go sift through hundreds or thousands of episodes yeah. to find it. Just rebroadcast. I that can. I can give pu- it. To I them. can put it. I have. I have. St- I've told you this before. I have mini DV. I have a case of mini DVs because I used to video the show. Right. And so I have from Surfer Magazine's offices, I have like super cool old shows. Some of them are good. Some of them aren't so good. But yeah. Anyway, like with a bunch of old, you know, like with Rostovich and Jeff Booth and Herbie Fletcher and Greg Knoll and just random people that would yeah. come in, you know? Yeah. We, we really need to find a way to get that back out there into the public. Yes. Well, man, what else are we talking well, about? Speaking today? of good content, we might as well just talk about Kelly Slater right now. All hail the king. What the heck, dude? Kelly Slater. Hashtag go freaking Kelly. The only thing greater than Kelly Slater winning yesterday. Okay, I can't wait. Is the fact that I kicked your ass in Fantasy Surfer. How do you define that? 
By one point? By one point. One, one point. point. Eleven oh three to eleven oh two. That's called first place, and what you got was below first place. It's not first place, actually. No, no, between you and I, it's first. Between okay. you and I, okay. I got first place. Okay. You By got one s- point. Whatever. By the way. I'm Which means I kicked your ass. Enjoy it. I want you to have this moment. In oh, God. Here we enjoy go. Enjoy it. Okay. Here we By go. the way, I'm ranked third overall in the clubhouse. Yes. Your ranking doesn't even have a number attached that's to it because you're, you're so far down the list. And that's not a joke. No, you're literally past 100. No, you, that's because you are following women surfing on your team. And so nope. those points are... No, they're not. You clearly know nothing about fantasy. This is strictly in the men's division. I'm third overall, dude, out of 400. And yours doesn't even have a number assigned to it. But like a bunch enjoy. of losers that listen to podcasts play in your league. That's why. <laughs> hey, hey, enjoy. I am. I'm, by one I'm relishing. One I was, point. Dude, I was, just, I was so close to calling you yesterday. I had five guys in the in the... Round five, I had a bunch of guys. Yeah. I mean, obviously, you must have too, right? You probably had. We were one did you have Bruno Santos? No. See, that's where I had Bruno. You had Chloe probably, right? No, I did not have Chloe. But Bruno was the biggest disruptor. Like, Yeah, if I had, had Bruno. Him, yeah. I had Bruno, and I had Ace, Kelly, John, John, Gabe. I had the quarterfinals sewed up. Right. Yeah. And so I was like, oh, my God, I'm in the money. And I was actually in the money in my other league. I didn't play with your – I don't think I would have won with your guy. With No, you wouldn't have. You, you, just, you just pay out one guy, right? Yeah. The there guy was, had 11,046 points or something. Yeah, exactly. There was the, or 1,100. There was, uh, I think, of the 400 people in the clubhouse, 23 wagered on yeah, it. Yeah, I saw that. And the top 11 or 12 all had over 1,000 points. <laughs> Which means <laughs> Which they all had John, happened. John, Kelly, yeah. Gabe. And it was pretty obvious. So to make – the money you had to have Bruno and you know somebody like Josh Kerr or Kolohe or one of those guys that was in there at the end. Yeah, exactly. So shout out by the way, Mushburger in Paradise won the clubhouse with eleven forty six. Um, so he gets the payout or she gets the payout. I'm not sure. I got this tweet from Dean Weir yesterday. Oh, said, this is such a good tweet. I saw this. Breaking news. 44-year-old unsponsored surfer wins Tahiti Pro on experimental boards after practicing in wave pool. Such a good Instagram. I was going to bring that up. Dean Weir. What Such a, a good quote. What a great dude. one. And it's true. That's what's so, so great. Maybe read it again a little slower. Forty Breaking news. 44-year-old unsponsored surfer wins Tahiti Pro on experimental boards after practicing in wave pool. Perfect. So good. Totally dude. nailed it. Yeah, really. So, um, Well, here's what I want to say about Kelly. And I've said it before. If you don't mind, I'm going to go into a little... I'm going to go into a little Kelly. Soliloquy. Yes. A soliloquy. Sing his praises, Scott. I will. Here's the deal with Kelly. And, and again, you, David, have heard this from me before, but I just want the people to hear this because this is my take on Kelly. Kelly's got 11 world titles. He's got now 55 career wins. Unbelievable. He's won, he's won the Eddie. Unbelievable. I'm quite possible. I remember him winning the Mavericks event when I was out there one year. I think he won Mavericks. I no? don't know that to be true. When Quicksilver did it? I don't remember Maybe that. he didn't, but he was in the finals. Maybe he made the finals for sure. Yeah. Um, he's the youngest to ever win the world title. He's the oldest to ever win the world title. He's received ridiculous amount of accolades, all of which are justified. But the thing that makes Kelly the greatest of all time, David, is his humility. His humility is off the charts. And humility is really 
presenting yourself to the world in a teachable state. Kelly is constantly learning. He's open-minded, which is the pinnacle of humility. From my perspective, David, Kelly is either consciously or unconsciously suggesting to himself, maybe I can learn something from this experience. And that attitude, that mindset, by default, it puts you exactly in your place. When you admit that you still have more to learn, that you're not leading life with your ego, but rather your spirit is the leading force. Kelly has this yearn to learn. Nothing more, nothing less. When he wins, when he loses, and not just in surf contests, but in life. It seems to me that Kelly Slater is thinking about the big picture. He's asking himself, okay, what did I learn from this? What can I learn? What is my takeaway from this experience? And how then can I apply that takeaway to my life going forward? Then, of course, the big move is acting on that knowledge for the betterment of uh, mankind. That's Dalai Lama shit right there. God honors action. When the spirit of humility is the leading force in one's life, great things happen. And that's why Kelly Slater is a great thing. Human. I agree. Yeah, that's interesting. You know, when you when you couch it like that, I can't disagree. I just of course had, not. I just had never really thought of him as being that humble or not humble right humility humility a state of teachability right knowing exactly where you are in relation to everyone else in the world and not being more than that and not being less than that yeah i agree with that completely humility that's why he's gotten where he's gotten yeah interesting i'm absorbing it I'm sure now we can move into the Joe Buck undeniable interview with Kelly, which was pretty fascinating. I mean, there's a lot to say about Kelly, but there's a lot to say about Billabong Pro. So do we want to do Kelly? Whatever you want to do. Let's do Kelly. Somebody actually tweeted this to us or maybe Instagrammed it to us. A screenshot of Will Weber's uh, Facebook page who said uh, he'd like to let everybody know that it wasn't one of his brother Greg Weber's boards that Kelly rode in round one at Chopes. Because Kelly had been writing Greg Weber's, you know, Slater yeah. Designs boards. Yeah. He said it wasn't. Uh, his seven banana boards turned up today. So in my opinion, get ready to see some special surfing at Trestles. Greg's new design for KS is going to be revealed at Trestles. And then he included some screenshots of the kind of uh, shape 3D imagery of it. Um, There's been a lot of talk about what he wrote. In, in Tahiti, shows, yeah. Um, on the Surfer Mag message boards, there was a big thread about it. And what I'm gathering from all the insight that I've got on online and through the forums and stuff is that it was, in fact, a Weber banana that he rode. Really? That's that's what you know. Again, I'm piecing together a bunch of insight from various people. But there's some that say no, it wasn't, and there's some that saying yeah, it was, and then there's many that are saying Greg Weber himself said it is, mm. and Kelly said it was oh, at some did. point. Yeah. Oh, now, okay. maybe I'm missing something. There's a lot of, I don't want to say misinformation. There's a lot of information both on both sides of the equation, that it was a Weber, that it wasn't a Weber. And so, but after I digested it all, I sensed that it was. Okay. Uh, what did you think? I mean, we all watched him ride the board. Yeah. I don't know. Like, to be honest, I don't recall round one as compared to the other rounds that he was in. Yeah. Um, and so th- this is obviously Greg Weber's brother who published this on Facebook saying it wasn't. But more importantly, he included 
imagery, images of the board that Kelly's going to be writing at Trestles, right, which is a brand new design. Yeah, that's which looks super interesting, and I'll I'll make sure to post those on Instagram at Surf Splendor for people who want to see them. Um, can we talk real quickly about or yeah. at length about Kelly's surfing ability yeah. at Chopes? Yeah, I mean, I mean, un. How much can we talk? Everyone that's seen it, it's it's kind of hard to like put into words. Yeah, I mean, it, it is. It, it, he showed us. We don't need to really talk about it too much, is my opinion. Like Kelly's return to form in the most grand fashion. This I've is the seen. guy that you wrote off, by the way. I did. You wrote Completely. him off. Completely. Oh, good. You're gonna go there. I like this. Well, I always knew that he had the ability. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> I just you knew. wrote him off. I was trying to get him on my on my Olympic team, and you're like. Well, I always knew he had the ability. I just knew that he was underperforming, and he has returned to form. And he even admitted it. He addressed it with Kaipo in the post-heat yeah. interviews multiple times, going, yeah, the haters are right. Like, I've been blowing it. I need to win some heats, and here I am. And so, like, Ross and Ronnie kept saying, horses for courses. Like, this is Kelly's bread and butter, is barreling reef break eight feet, you know. So... He's, that's where he's going to do well. I would argue he's not going to do well at Chiba in 1.1 or 2-foot waves, so I'll stick with that in right. regard to the Olympics. Um, but magic, absolute magical ability to read the ocean, to be in the right spot, to uh, surf the waves when they come. I mean, the final heat... So first of all, he got a perfect heat. I think he had two additional 10s throughout the rest of the event, so four 10s throughout the contest. Um in his final heat with John John, the one that he like super late dropped, barely landed before the lip pitched over him, but made just a subtle adjustment. Late drop, free fall, lands standing upright, makes a super subtle adjustment just to get like one inch back so that the lip doesn't ax him in the head. But he ends up like in just a crazy, almost chandelier portion of the wave. Then finds a line, pumps through it without any hands, comes out with a little bit of the chandelier. Just an unbelievable negotiation of an unbelievable wave blew my mind. You know what? Give him a gold medal right now based on that ride alone. Yeah. Now, there was some argument. Martin Potter's like, well, I just think it was a late drop and he just kind of was saving himself. I firmly believe that at that point in the contest, I think he was already... Com- he had the guy con- he, it, John John combo. He had combo. Or it was just over, and it looked to me like he was toying with it. And you know, there was a couple. I think in the 06 Chopu event where he got two tens by doing that crazy late drop layback, come out of it to a it to beat Bruce that. Irons. Yeah, it was kind of like that. Yeah, and it was almost like he was in such a place with his surfing and with his comfort level that he's like, I'm going to do this this time. I'm going to really blow their minds. Instead of just pulling in from takeoff, I'm going to make a late drop and I'm going to do this crazy ass bottom turn and make this insane like outside rail adjustment that you mentioned and then barely sneak under it and then ride high through the... I think that's just like, watch me perform. Watch this. I've already sealed this heat. Now watch this, you guys. Watch this, haters. Watch this, David Lee Scales. Yeah. I'm coming out with a gold medal around my neck. Yeah. Boom. Absolute poetry and artistry. Because while I feel like some surfers, Bruno Santos, even Gabriel Medina, are searching for perfect waves out there, that was not a perfect wave. Kelly found a very imperfect wave that had a really challenging section on it and just went to work, you know, like an artist. And that's what we want to see. Exactly. Realizing that the competition side of this is over. Now let me do my artistry. Let mm-hmm. me perform my artistry. 
My must-see moment, David, is a 10-point ride. I think his first 10-point ride in round four with Ace and Bruno. It was a smaller inside wave. It was extremely technical. Ross and I think Joe or whoever it was, Ross and Ronnie, talked at length about how incredibly technical it was. It wasn't the bigger wave of the heat. Bruno had gotten a bigger, more clean, perfect Mm -hmm. wave. And I think it was Bruno's wave was a 10 as well, I believe. But the first 10 of the contest for Kelly Slater was this smaller wave where he literally was behind and and you could not see him. Looking into the Looking tube. into the tube, right. he disappeared by the white, through the white water for the foam ball. Right. And somehow came out of that. That, to me, was like, oh, that was an OMG moment. Yeah. And that really speaks to the same thing we're talking about, this artistry. But that was when he had to, he had to pull it off. He was in a real heat here, although it was round four, yeah. a non-losing round. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. That wave was unreal. And not to get veer off Kelly, but uh, Julian Wilson's 10-point ride, I thought was arguably one of the, probably the best 10 of the whole event, even better than Kelly's, because he did that. And then when he rode over the foam ball, that looking into the barrel shot from the channel, he disappears behind the foam ball and then starts to get pushed in front. And as he's coming over it, side slips down to the bottom of the wave while he's still in the barrel and then comes out almost sideways. So like completely loses traction with his fins and is just sliding on the foam ball, getting pushed off of it, and then somehow ends up making it. So I thought that was remarkable. The difference for me, though, was that when Julian took off on that wave, his takeoff actually wasn't ideal like he actually lost speed going into the barrel and that's what put him in so deep and it was amazing that from that point on he actually pushed through it that's what gave it the 10 point ride but the takeoff was actually a failure on his part to a certain degree you know whereas kelly it's like every single moment is in control yeah so toying toying yeah so kelly again uh Perfect 20. I think there's been nine in all of competition history, and four of them are his. So wow. remarkable. Yeah. Um, oh, one thing a listener actually sent me an email saying that he was surprised to learn that Kelly actually won Chiba Beach twice. Once in 1997 and once in 1993 when it was on the ASP schedule. So we're referring to Chiba being the location for the Olympics. Kelly's actually won there before. So. And I believe that he beat Andy in a really controversial heat one year. Okay. And that was that would have been 97. But maybe I'm – I thought there was a heat. Maybe it was a semifinal heat in the mid-2000s, like 2001. Maybe. Okay. But I remember being in the surfer offices and hearing Rick Irons just go, oh, Andy got robbed. And then all the Kelly lovers were like, no, Kelly won the heat. And yeah. All the Irons brothers going – or Irons fans going, no way. And I remember there was a moment there. Well, I'll have to look into that. Yeah. So one other detail about Kelly um, and his artistry, he mentioned in post-heat interviews about really striving to live in the moment, which is something that like I've been very aware of in my own personal life from a philosophical standpoint is like whenever I am thinking about what's been going on in the past, you know, I have a certain level of, I don't know, regret or just whatever and then if i'm worried about what's going to happen throughout the rest of the day i have a certain level of anxiety and that all of my finest performances in life whether it's at work or surfing or whatever is when you're able to kind of relinquish whatever's before and whatever's behind and just live in the moment 
but it's a constant practice. You know, it takes a lot of struggle. And to hear Kelly speak about that resonated with me. And I think that that's absolutely right, is he has all of the technical ability, all of the muscle memory. It's like golf. You learn all of this technique, and then you address the ball, and you forget all of the technique and just let that muscle memory take over. If you're thinking about how you're supposed to hit the ball, you're not going to do it correctly. And so I think... To me, that's what Kelly was speaking about. And that's what that free fall drop in the final was about, which was like, here's an amazing wave coming. I know I have the ability to do this. I need to just allow the spirit to paint its artistry. Well, you know what? That 2006 final at Chopu with Bruce Irons was that letting go moment where they they made, I think they made a movie or something called called Letting Letting Go. Go, And it was about what you're speaking about and that and kelly speaks to that a lot you know and and kelly for whatever reason at that time during that final just goes you know what i'm giving it up i'm letting go there's this there's a saying let go or be dragged and that's sort of what happens when you let go you're not going to be dragged by that stuff anymore and you're free to perform the way that he has and apparently you have in some of your finest moments what driving down the freeway or whatever it is The finest wave that I shredded at Golden West Street in Huntington Beach. Maybe let's talk about the boards that you're riding. Yeah, you know, again, that's a topic that a lot of uh, listeners ask about. They'll send tweets like, hey, what are you riding? Or I'll post to Insta about it. And they're like, dude, comment on this more frequently. I'd love to know. Um, I'll tell you what, dude. I was When I was in Costa Rica recently, I wrote a longboard, or I borrowed a longboard for a couple of sessions from a buddy, yeah. and um, what kind? It was the kind of the worst, dude. <laughs> like I don't want to tell you what brand. You don't it need was. to tell me the brand. Tell me what. Yeah, was so the design it, it was like it. a high performance, Ooh. like two plus one with Ooh. like a lot of rocker, Ooh. and um, it was epoxy made oh. out of made out of EPS and epoxy, and I was just find I found myself thinking like why was this design ever even built? Like, what am I doing? This is the least enjoyable surf experience I've had in a long time. I'm able to catch waves on it and it floats really well, but it just, longboards aren't meant to be surfed high performance. And I was actually able to like crack the lip and like, but yeah. then, well, that's just it. There's a whole demographic of guys who are like, I just want to catch waves, and once I do that, oh, this molt, this banana rockered board is going to allow me to actually do a bottom turn, and look, it's carrying me up the wave face, and I'm yeah. doing a roller coaster, and God, I'm shredding, and so. It, but I mean, it was embarrassing. I did all of those things, then I kicked out, and I was like, right. that didn't feel that cool. Like it was. You're, a, you're a quarter, It was a quarter as cool as it would have been if I was on a short board, and it wasn't. Half as cool is if I had like a single fin longboard right. that I was able to like style out on because there was kind of it was almost impossible to style out on it. Right. And I found myself keep trying to, but then it would kind of like squirt a little too fast or something. And yeah. it was just this bizarre experience of <laughs> I'm outperforming from a performance standard what I was expecting to do. Right. But it's not. You're nearly- underperforming the shortboarding and yeah. you're outperforming the longboard. Well, you're just not doing the trim and glide thing right. because the board won't allow you to trim and glide because it's got a double barrel concave, so it's running past sections. It's going faster than longboard sections should you know that you should perform on, right? Yeah. And but it's underperforming the off the tops and the turns because it's just so long. Yeah. Bizarre. Yeah. I, Super bizarre. Yeah. And then I'd like, I found myself like leaning into a cutback and with a lot of speed. So I'm like, oh, I'm going to bank off the whitewash. So then I hit the whitewash, but then I couldn't 
because there's so much board, I couldn't then redirect where redirect. you wanted to be. Yeah, so I bank off the whitewash expecting to like go straight into a bottom turn and then a top turn, but it's taking forever to redirect off the bank and then I end up eating it because I'm well, expecting. The, really but- what you've experienced is the horror that is what I call a tweener surfboard. Because really, a high-performance longboard is a tweener board. Mm-hmm. It's not a longboard. It's not a shortboard. It's in between. And you get these designs with everything. And I'm constantly like walking the fine line between, okay, can I get that fish that gives me all that speed from a wider planed bo- planing board, but also goes up the wave face super fast like a high-performance trifin. So we're always like skirting the edge of how far can I make this board before it's a tweener, which doesn't work. It doesn't is the worst of both worlds, you know. Right. You get those tweeners where you're like, oh, it's not as good as a fish, and it's not as good as a shortboard. This board's lame. That's what you experience with that high performance longboard. It's the ultimate tweener board. It's funny. I had never really had that epiphany before, but I got out of the water just confused. You know, just like what was I ripping or was I not ripping? Well, Tr like- told me, he goes, God, you should have seen, <laughs> just seen scales just choking. <laughs> Um, so I had heard about this session. Yeah, it wasn't yeah. pretty. Awesome. Yeah. Word travels fast. The bad news is he takes photos. So there's, <laughs> yeah, there's exactly. imagery of this. <laughs> Send photos to your... Um, yeah. So anyways, that was mortifying. Uh, what about you? <laughs> um, okay. Well, I have not quite the same experience. No, I'm writing a super... I'm super excited and sty- psyched on this board by my friend Nick Ferreira, who makes Rome surfboards, R-O-A-M. And he made me what he calls the Marlin Spike model. Which is, it's a board basically built off of, you know, the MR twin fin, the FCS, the large MR twin fin Mm -hmm. template. Mm -hmm. Well, um, it's basically the twin fin that goes in the MR board, right? And it's got the little um, trailer fin. So it's got these two big standard twin fins and then a little trailer fin. And And it's more or less, you know, the best way to describe it on the air without seeing it is it's... It's like an MR twin fin, you know, it's, um, but it's sort of a modern version of that with a modern bottom. And, um, so it's this wing swallow twin fin. How, how tall? Um, I think it's 5'10, maybe. Okay. And, and it's got a lot of volume. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it says two and five eighths, but I think it might have a little bit more than that. And for whatever reason, I'm really digging it. It's just, it's allowing this old man to get going and get, get around sections and do turns. And I'm excited about it. I'm, I'm, I'm jazzed. And it's, I saw it in the back of your truck, right? Yeah. It's in the yeah. back of my truck. Yeah. 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 yeah so I've been riding right. that. I've been riding a Stu Kenson twin fin. Been riding a lot of twin fins. All and, twin fins all the time, man. And digging it. Yeah. You know, having fun. How have the Summertime. Waves, how have the waves been? You know, there's been some fun waves actually down where I'm at. Some like wedgy combo swell, south swell peaks. Um, you know, rippable little waist to stomach high. Yeah. Nothing, you know, kind of soft. Yeah. It's kind of summery, but. When I got back from Costa, it was like flat basically for two weeks. And then just this past week, we got a little bit. And it hasn't been killer, but it's been surfable at least. But it brought some cold water too. Yeah, the water's been chilly. Yeah. And I've actually been in a full suit. Yeah, me too. And um, But this this board, this Marlin Spike. So I would recommend you guys go check out the Rome Surfboard. He's probably got a website. Mm-hmm. Rome Surfboards, R-O-A-M. His name's Nick. He's a great shaper, and I'm super psyched on the board. Well, on my way down here, Donnie Brink called me and uh, clued me in to an event that I'm going to go to tonight um, for this guy in Newport Beach that has something called, I think it's just called the Board Club. And it's based off a model that I guess exists in Australia and elsewhere where it's a rental, a membership club where you 
join, pay whatever the monthly fee is, and they have a bunch of surfboards, and you can just borrow them for like three days at a time. As a member, you go in there, you check out their inventory, and you're like, hey, I'm interested in trying this board, and you take it with you and go surf it for a few days and then bring it back, take another. Like a library, but for surfboards. Oh, that's so, interesting. Yeah, interesting idea. So I'm going to check that out, figure it out, and then maybe um, maybe interview them on the show or whatever. And But I, I thought the concept was interesting, you know? Because also, like, to be honest, I don't need a quiver of 30 surfboards in my garage anymore, you know? Like, as as fun as that is... And as much of a hoarder, it, like it's fun just to have collections of things. If you're not riding them, they're just taking up space. Like, and it's a hassle to get rid of them on Craigslist and stuff like that. Like that model of a membership fee and rental service kind of appeals to me. Hmm, that's interesting. That's, the, that's, the difference being they're not custom made for you, but I don't know. I'm open to the idea. Yeah, it's a, no, it's an interesting model. I, I'd like to see it take off. It sounds yeah semi fascinating. You know. Yeah, I'll I'll give you more feedback. I'm gonna go check them out tonight. Um, did you want to talk about Kelly on Joe Buck? Yeah, Kelly on Joe Buck. I mean, he said a lot of interesting things. I'm sure a lot of people saw it. Um, I found it to be fascinating. It was sincere and honest, which is Kelly's um, modus. You know, that's how he rolls, and that's why he's such a great interview. And he's great in the broadcast booth, of course. But yeah, so I mean, we learned a lot of. I learned some interesting things. It- Red Bull actually put out a cool – a couple of websites have put out stuff like what we learned about Kelly since the Joe Buck interview. You yeah. Know? And um, so he opened up a lot about his childhood. You know, um, there was a lot. It seems like I watched that Joe Buck show a lot. Not a lot, but I've seen a few of them. And for whatever reason, that audience or the intimate setting, people are often gushing and emoting. I saw the Wayne Gretzky one, which was killer, you know, and he was emoting. And I've seen another one where a guy was emoting, and Kelly certainly got um, emotional. And I think that's great. You know, that's that's life. Living. Was it a 30-minute show or one-hour show? I think it was or? an hour. Yeah. I just watched the clips, like the highlights afterwards. Um, it's on one of those networks. Yeah, direct TV audience. audience yeah. yeah, so... Maybe it was forty-five minutes. I think it's an hour. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But what did, so, what did, what did you learn? Um, what did I learn about Kelly that I didn't already know? Um, well, I didn't know that he almost didn't requalify after his first world title. Um, you know, I didn't know that he was kind of. That I did know that he was anti Baywatch, but I I didn't really understand the reasoning behind it. But um, apparently, he had a secret desire to sort of be an actor, and so he's like jumped at the chance. And as soon as he got in there, he's like, "This is like really lame, and it's making me and my legacy and who I am as, and it's making pro surfing look lame Mm -hmm. because it's such a lame show." So he's really anti Baywatch, or at least it wasn't the best experience for him. Yeah, I liked what he had to say about the Olympics, which was. Or surfing being involved in the Olympics, which was like, look, here's the problem with the concept is that we have this world tour that exposes the professional surfers to nine different styles of waves around the world over the course of a period of time. And then that, you know, reveals who the best surfer is. I have that clip. You want to hear it? Yeah, sure. Perfect. I don't know if this is going to pick up. Yeah. Let's see if this picks this up. or should you know there's a few sports trying to get in right now and you know we we have our world title we have our that thing if we get in the olympics it might be really great it could be really cool but what you're going to do is you're going to determine a world champion or olympian or the most famous surfer in the world by one event 
in one type of condition. It just doesn't work that way, does it? And surfing is not really that. And if you told me what those conditions are going to be, I could pretty much give you three guys at any given time in those kind of conditions that are going to they're going to win. It's going to be between those three guys. Um, but we have a title that does it over different types of waves in different geographical places over the course of a year. So you know it's a long performance, and you weed out sort of the best of the best in, at the end. So yeah, that was from Joe Buck's Undeniable. Kelly Slater on the Olympics. Yeah, which by the way. You can have both things. Like the having surfing in the Olympics still serves a purpose. It doesn't necessarily mean that it's the best surfer in the world that actually wins the gold medal. It just means the best surfer at that. Yeah, spot that I know, day. but and I could probably paraphrase. I think what he was semi getting at is that the average layperson, for instance, I would look at um, a lot of sports in the Olympics that I don't know anything about and go, "Oh, that's the gold win. That's the best guy in the world." Yeah, you know, and I don't follow mountain biking you know i just know that's the guy who won the gold medal so in my mind in the layperson's mind who just the outliers of the sport that's the guy who's the best and i think that's his concern is that the olympics do put sport that might you might not otherwise watch on this really high pedestal and that's who you and i see like i saw the judo girl win yeah. well she's the best in the world in my mind even though i know there's probably world yeah, titles every single year but my thought about that is good so if somebody thinks that that guy is the best surfer in the world, fine. I don't care. Like, because it still serves a purpose. It now gets more people interested in surfing. It elevates all of it. And the actual world title holder will benefit off of the other person winning the Olympic gold somehow. Because, it, again, it raises. Yeah, I agree. I, I think some people also saw this, this as, and this is like conspiracy theory stuff, but some people saw this as Kelly kind of going, what if there was an opportunity to change the waves and be guaranteed that the waves were like world-class, high-quality, say, five or six-foot right-hander <laughs> that peeled down, you know? So obviously trying to like um, prom not promote but give give credence to the possibility of using the wave pool instead of, um, you know, rolling the dice with two-foot Chiba. Yeah. Yeah, I I, I don't disagree. know about that conspiracy. I don't think he goes that deep into I it. I just think that he, you know, it is what he said. What he said. He has a valid point with what he said, regardless of any wave pool existing. Right. You know, right. um, yeah. Well, I I just like that Kelly's actually engaging in these media outlets outside of surfing nowadays. Like I talked about that Graham Benzinger one previously, which I found to be really insightful. And then this is kind of actually very similar to that, but. Um, it's rad. It's again, it's illustrating that the outside world has an interest in surfing as they do with, which is what the Olympics will do for surfing, you know? So I think it's all great. And again, Kelly's a great ambassador of it. Um, real quickly, a couple of other waves I wanted to shout out from the Billabong Tahiti pro. Yeah. Go back to that real quick. Uh, John, John, I mean, I think it was round one that he got a couple of nines in backside barrel weaving with his head down with no hands <laughs> like takes off pumps and then looks down at his feet and just pumps like looking down at his feet and comes out with his head down it's so gnarly i've never seen anybody do it you know um i sense some frustration from john john in that event like really? there was times when it felt like i think was he even heat with gabe medina maybe yeah where he was coming out of the tube and he's kind of like almost like looking at the judges and throwing his hands in the air like come on man yeah and they gave him a nine seven one on that because I thought that was overscored 
Overscored. Yeah. The one where he needed a nine two three or he no he needed oh, a the nine final th- wave. He needed a nine three one. Yeah, the final wave. Yeah, and the final wave and it the, I thought it was overscored too, but I thought he deserved to win the heat. I did too, but a nine seven they gave him? But it was, was mind blowing. It was like they were going back to make amends for a wave that they previously should have given a ten, <laughs> a 10 to. Because Maybe. Gabriel Medina got a ten and the very the second wave of the set, John John was on and they gave him a nine nine seven. Yeah. But that should have been a ten. Right. Everyone that was saying was that should have so been. That's so sick. Yes. Like Gabriel got a perfect wave that he surfed flawlessly. John John got an imperfect wave that he surfed beyond flawlessly. Yes. You know? So uh, I think they were making amends for that. Gabriel I mean John John deserved to win that heat, which he did, but um, the other thing that I wanted to mention was uh, earlier round, Gabe, his layback recovery. Do you remember a wave where he got blown out of the barrel but kind of got clipped by it and ended up falling backwards yeah. where his feet were just barely on the tail pad, laying all the way back, and then somehow recovers and stands up? Yeah. That was gnarly. That was, was one of the gnarliest things I've seen. The other thing to mention about that event was Matt Wilco lost in round three to Bruno Santos, which means he lost the leader – the Jeep leader jersey, and John John exits this event leading the rankings in first place. It's just as we planned it. Just as the good people at Hurley producing the 12 series planned it, because (laughs) this fits perfectly into their hands. We're documenting his world title. I like the whole concept of of Kelly somehow making a run so that at Pipe it just is through the roof mental between John John, Kelly, Gabe Medina. Yeah. Um, who else is in the running there? Adriano, maybe. Yeah, that'll be insane. Wilco, Wilco, if he doesn't say good, is, is Wilco just a? I, well, is, I love, is, is, is just like there's no chance no. that Wilco will Beach, win. Beach Grit wrote like a post mortem essentially, yeah, perfect. Which, which was like, hey, remember when Wilco pre- acted like he had a world title shot and made <laughs> us all believe it for a minute? None of us believed it. Like even after the second one, we're like, God, do we really believe this just happened? I mean, mathematically, he's still. Totally Totally in the race, but the fact that he didn't catch any waves in his last heat at Chopu makes me go, "What?" Oh, Wilco, poor guy. Go have a pint, mate. Yeah, go on the Aki podcast. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, what else you got? Um, my Duke of the week is the WSL broadcast team. I really feel like they did a great event. There wasn't a moment where I went, "God, these guys suck." No. And I will say that I think Kaipo is really c- coming into fine form. I think Fantastic. That the, I think that the surfers are very, very comfortable with him, talking with him. And he seems like he's like the older uncle from Hawaii that they're chatting with. And it doesn't seem as like, you know, oh, my God, I'm intimidated by um, Rosie Hodges' beauty or by or I'm disgusted by the stupid questions from X or whatever. You know, it just seems like Kaipo is kind of like really finding form. He comes up with fresh questions every time, too. Like, very relevant, very on-topic, insightful. Like, he always... And I think a lot of it... I mean, I don't know if it's on the fly necessarily, but it's like, it's well thought out. It's smart. It's intelligent. He also has, obviously, um, Polynesian background and foundation, so he knows how to pronounce words. He knows a little bit of history. Yeah, he knows things about what's going on, so... Uh, I thought that he was great. Yeah, I, I was sad actually to not see Rosie. But. I am too. The more Rosie, the better. We need a whole show just based on Rosie. She should just. There should definitely be a Rosie segment that yeah. it's just Rosie talking about stuff, and I want to see her surfing, and I want to see her interviewing people. And what if you were a producer of 
these segments. If you're a producer at the WSL and you're like, okay, we've got Rosie. She's great. She's very professional. What's the best way to use Rosie? Like, how do we put her and just make her a great part of the broadcast? I think there should be a spinoff show uh, that maybe they, you know, like we have tour notes now is on the WSL site yeah. where P- Peter King does these episodes, episodic things at each event. There should be a 30-minute Rosie program every time. It's like Rosie's take <laughs> you on- You say that with so much sincerity and authenticity and just passion. I will subscribe. Dude, I, I want to see- You don't have to subscribe to this. They better give it to us for free. I want to, it to be like Anthony Bourdain. I right? was just going to say- Where she goes that's to what each she venue to right. and she eats at the restaurants, yes. gives this a whole cultural Right. She feeling. brings in an auntie or a, somebody, yeah. one of the local you know ladies or per, whoever it is. And yeah. she's, she's also surfing, but- like she's also showing us a culture like I'm so interested to see what Portugal's like and what France is like and what Tahiti's like. Maybe she puts on the wedding dresses of Portugal for us and she marches. <laughs> no, no, that's too far. I don't need it to that's be too- anything like that. Okay. I need it to be just like she is. Um, I want her to be my tour guide of each tour stop. Yes. That's we we want cultural insight. What's the food? Where are the places? Do they go? What kind of craziness happens here or there? Um, what's the fun fact? Why are they lawn bowling in Brisbane? Blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Rosie, 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 Rosie. But I also want to see her during the contest, doing the post-heat interviews and that sort of stuff too. But I just, I think that there's an opportunity for them to really take advantage of uh, what a great spoke broadcaster she is. You know, like any, like ESPN should ch- should clue in to the WSL at some point and be like, holy cow, can we hire her to host other sports shows? Yeah. Because she's that good. Exactly. Yeah. So that's my thoughts. I'm on trying that. to put Rosie on my fantasy team right now. I don't see her anywhere <laughs> on here. Um, <laughs> that's all I got. Pat. Well, I've got a must see moment. Actually. Uh, I don't know if you saw this Hurley's video. They're doing a series called Hurley youth where they feature some of their sponsored kids. But did you see Eli Hanneman's video? Yeah. What the heck, dude? They're pushing that kid. He's in, he's insane. He's just one of the many really red hot young kids. I mean, he's, he's obviously like, way above and beyond but i was gonna say he's not one of many well, he's one of a kind actually. look is it i mean go ahead i, I try to blaspheme an 11 year old child no i no, no i just want the <laughs> best for him and i you know like you push these kids too far sometimes it's too much too soon that's all well let's just honor what's taking place which is this he's 11 ripping. year old who is he's doing like 360 aerials he's just doing radical stuff as boned out as any pro that's doing i'm doing alley-oops doing straight airs like getting shacked He's their answer to Jack Robinson. Yeah, no joke, dude. He's the real deal, but he's 11. It's crazy. (laughs) That's my concern. Is he too young, too much, too soon? Mm, I'm not worried about that yet, but here's what's crazy. I think that when you're 11, your body is so nimble, it doesn't get hurt. You know, like I agree. You could take off on insane waves and just get flogged and no big deal. Your limbs don't snap and you got jelly holding them together. Hey, how's Matt Banning doing in the ratings? Well, my love affair Carlos, has dwindled. What about Carlos <laughs> My love affair with my buddy Matt has slowly, slowly tapered off. But I've got a lot of love to give, and um, <laughs> and it's okay. When one thing dwindles, you know, there's always another down the oh, pike. Uh, Carlos Munoz, so I'm still a huge fan, but... Did you see him when you were in Costa Rica? No, because he was competing at the U.S. Open, uh, so we just transferred spots, but... 
you know, I'm worried about too much too soon with Carlos too. I've heard some grumblings through the grapevine that maybe he isn't as humble as he once was. Mm. And he's a big fish in a pond down there that he's getting a lot of love and a lot of attention. And it's hard to manage some of those details sometimes. But I'm still hoping for the best because I think his surfing's incredible. All right. Well, so. Carlos, good luck. Yeah. Just well, another Scott, incredible surfer. There are a million of them out there. And the, we need the cream to rise to the top. Right? It does. It always does. But here's the thing. I love watching the cream bubble up. I love trying to decipher right. which right. is cream versus which is not. Sour cream. What's the opposite sweet of cream? cream. Yeah. Right? Yeah. All sorts of cream. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> okay. Well, look. You know, I think it's time that we end the show. Um, I want to direct people to our social feeds. Um, okay. Something blew up on Instagram for me this past week, which was really crazy. Who do you think this is? Listen to this. Thanks for interrupting, buddy. Let's check this out. Jack Johnson. No. Something has gone wrong. Timmy Curran. Yeah. I know that voice. Timmy Curran, yeah. The sweet, sultry sounds What's of my he doing man now? What's Timmy. Tim, where are they now? What's, where's, is he in the, he's in the Where Are They Now file. He's making music, dude. Is he? Yeah. Good. Uh, so on Instagram, at Surf Splendor, last week I posted this video of Mason Ho. I only have 1,500 followers, actually 1,800 after this. Uh, it got 20,000 views and 1,000 likes. Holy shit. And it's like crazy. Yeah, it just blew up because a bunch of people tagged it, and I don't know, it showed up in the Discovery feed or something. But that was rad. So shout out to all the listeners who tagged other people. I appreciate you growing the account by 300 followers in like one week's time. What's my Insta since we're – since now I feel like I'm in a race to get more Instas than you. Yeah, yours actually, your feed, uh, you have more followers. Do you buy them or how does that work? <laughs> oh boardroom show. Boardroom At show. Boardroom show. At Boardroom Show. Yeah. At Boardroom Show. Yeah. yeah. You got almost 10K. Wow. 9,200. I make sure to always tag you in my stuff. Yeah, thanks. Um, what's up with uh, your Tom Green post? Oh, is it Tom Curran? Oh yeah, so I so when I listen to Tom Curran in my car, like with um, it's on my phone. I've got yeah. Curran on my phone in my iTunes. Okay, this picture of Tom Green pops up all the time. <laughs> I'm like, what's up with that? So I don't know. Why'd you Instagram that? Because <laughs> so I thought it was interesting. You know what? Until next time, adios and aloha. Shoot, forgot to mention, Kelly also won the AI Award in Tahiti, the award that's um, a tribute to Andy Irons. So, whew, big day for Kelly. He even said it's one of the greatest uh, contest victories of his life that he can remember. He kind of got emotional tearing up in the post-event interview in the channel on the jet ski. So, anyway, great event, of course. We'll have all the clips over on surfsplendorpodcast.com. I'll stream them on Instagram. Not stream them, but I'll upload them, and they'll be in your stream, in your feed, on Instagram, when you follow, at Surf Splendor. Let's get another 20,000-view clip up there, man. That was insane. But who doesn't love Mason Ho, right? But who doesn't love Kelly? So we can do it again. Let's reenact that. Recreate it. All right. Thanks for listening. Until next week, David Scales here reminding you to get out in the ocean, catch a couple waves, and shred on, my loyal listeners. Shred on.
on. 